0: Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe.
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Brooke. Joining me on the show is Nick from Hustle House out in Albion and Medina, New York, out in the Western side of the state welcome to the show nick how are you today
2: i'm doing great thank you for having me i really appreciate it uh pretty excited to be on today
1: excited to have the opportunity to have you sitting in front of me to learn more about what you do at hustle house um you know pertaining to the business but before we kind of dive into that side of things give me some background what was it that ultimately led to you going and opening up hustle house
2: so um it came from like i guess started out as being like a lifetime athlete you know I, I started in youth sports went into, into high school and through uh college everything like that so uh sports is really what led me to start working out cuz i wanted to get stronger and everything for sports so um through that i just i was always working out um and then after I got done with college football and wrestling, I didn't really have really any competitive goals anymore. You know what I mean? Cause I wasn't, I wasn't playing football. I wasn't wrestling anymore. Um, so I was just working out. Cause once you, and I'm sure you can attest to this, like once you start working out, like you, you, you don't just stop working out one day because that's it. whenever you miss a workout, you don't feel right. So it's kind of just like a lifestyle. So I was still working out um and I had always owned my own business as well um so it was always a dream of mine to own a gym and um I just never really had the opportunity I was never in a right spot uh because I was either always really busy or really broke or whatever it might be um so then I guess it was it was May of last year um I was just presented with a good opportunity um, right in Albion. And uh, I have a cousin who is into real estate. His name is John. He's actually my partner uh, in the gym as well. And um, I presented him with an opportunity. I said, Hey, I know this guy, he has building for sale. I know that you like to do apartments. Uh, The whole upstairs can be apartments and there's already an existing gym. Do you want to go into business with me? He's like, yeah, let's do it. So um, he, he, He bought the building and then we went in as partners on the gym. And then we kind of gave it like a makeover and we bought a whole bunch of new equipment, uh, kind of rebranded it. And um, that's how the first one really came about.
1: Sweet. So, you know, you always kind of had this like competitive nature growing up. Um, And I, what I think is so interesting that like a lot of us who were athletes growing up and like super into that we like go and become entrepreneurs because we want to mm-hmm. be like our own competition. I feel like it's kind of cool being an entrepreneur because like, you're still in competition with yourself to like make more money and help more people every single day. Um, so it's super cool. Tell us about what you do over at Hustle House, give us your best elevator pitch, paint a picture of your business model for us. So we really understand it.
2: So um, what we do at Hustle House, we, So there's not too many 24 seven gyms like around us. Well, there's not really much around us at all anyway, because we're just really small towns. So um, there was only one option for 24 hour gym. And that was in Medina, probably a 15 to 20 minute drive from Albion. So, and there was no existing gym in Albion. So we, we were, Like, all right, let's make sure it's twenty four seven. That way, people can always have access. Because we, right in Albion, there's two two prisons as well, and there's there's a sheriff's office, um, and there's a lot of people that work that overnight shift. So um, that people are going to be coming in like all hours of the night. So we had to make it twenty four seven, but we also wanted to make it so. people felt like they were a part of something else other than just a gym. So we wanted to make sure that the gym had some culture, it had a cool logo, it had a message you could get behind um, and kind of just like introduce something new to the area that was a little bit more than just, you walk into the gym, you get, uh, you get your workout done and, and you leave, you know? So that's really what we were all about is create a, uh, a cool culture and a cool community Uh, that people can really connect with and they're proud to wear like the shirts, um, all the merchandise, proud to uh, tag us on social media, um, show like their gym videos and their gym pictures, everything like that. Um, So that was really our goal um, with starting Hustle House. And um, so with that gym, we kind of we really only had just memberships. Like that's all you could do is, is right. you bought a membership, you came in and you worked out. Um, and then we, we didn't really start to get heavy into the personal training until we opened our second location because mm-hmm. we had a little bit more room. We added some turf in there so we could train some athletes. Um, and then uh, we have another trainer. Her name is Sierra. Uh, she's pretty awesome. She's uh, certified by, nasm and she has her precision nutrition um and she trains a lot of our like lifestyle clients that um that want to train um in person and need like a little bit of nutritional guidance and then i train a lot of our like sports performance athletes and stuff like that um and we're working on getting some other services up and going like we want to um we want to start to have more merchandise there. We wanna have like a little store there that you can purchase like some protein and uh, energy drinks and stuff like that. So like a little like mini supplement shop and merchandise store, everything like that. So we're, we're kind of just scratching the surface here but we're still pretty new. So it's, it's, it's always a work in progress.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I think what I like so much about this is like, it sounds like it's, and we've talked about this off air, but like, it sounds like it's more of like an experience. And I think like that helps people when it comes to health and fitness, like they want to walk into a place where like, they feel like they're a part of something or like, there's something memorable that has to do with it. Mm -hmm. And like most gyms, uh, you know, that are kind of that open model gym they're not memorable like um Mm. and people just don't show up so um within hustle house what percentage of your revenue would you say comes from the personal training set of things
2: um not a lot um 10 percent maybe maybe 20 percent
1: um 10% is about industry average for this type of gym. Uh, 10% uh, of our revenue coming from PT. But it is an area like if we really like hone in on that, we can bring in a nice steady amount of revenue to cover our overheads Mm -hmm. pretty easily. And it's cool because like with one-on-one training, I think it helps like all aspects of our business. Because our clients, like if we are providing them with a direct approach to help them reach their goals, um, whether that's an athletic goal or you know, more of a lifestyle client with like weight loss goals or something, when we can provide them with that direct approach, they're happy, they're going to tell their friends, we're going to get referrals. Like it's just like a full circle type thing. Yeah. Are you guys in a position where you would like to grow that?
2: Person? Yeah, I, I think that's honestly, so I also used to, Um, for a short period of time, I worked at a gym, uh, like a big commercial gym, uh, up here in Buffalo. Um, and, uh, it was called Catalyst Fitness and it was, uh, owned by, uh, Joe and Amy Blummey. Um, and they're, they're really great people. I was, uh, head of the personal training department, so they, they would, run through a lot of a lot of money went through their personal training department. Like they weren't just like a big box gym that like, you just go there, you work out. It's a lot of their revenue was the personal training part. Um, so like, I think that's just a really good opportunity to make a lot of extra revenue um, simply because you can sell, Like if you, if you have a really good uh, personal training program, like the person has to have a membership anyway. So if you can sell a person results and like a goal, as opposed to like selling them a membership for $29.99, like it's going to be much more valuable if, if they purchase those results knowing they're going to use that membership they buy then it would be then to just buy a twenty nine ninety nine dollar membership and like maybe I'll go maybe I won't whatever you know yeah um so yeah I that's call a, out like that like prescription
1: prescription based selling I think this is a good place for us to kind of talk about it because when it comes to like sales in a gym we want to try to sell our clients on the results that they're going to see with us rather than selling them on the gym and that's a mistake that a lot of gyms are, are doing like you said just selling them on a twenty nine ninety nine membership right. like you figure it out on your own, like, is that really going to be what motivates people to sign up is the price? Or is it the fact that you have X service that's going to help them with whatever goal that they're looking to achieve? Um, When you guys get a new client walk in the front door of the gym, are you guys like, like sitting down and doing a consultation with them at all? Or like, what does that process look like?
2: So that's one of the areas that we um, kind of lack in. We don't um, because it's 24 seven, we don't always have a person there to do walk-ins, you know, so a person will walk up to the, uh, the door, they'll try to open and they can't cause it's always locked cause they don't have an access card. Right. So mm-hmm. if they don't have an access card, they can't get in the gym. They can't really know anything about it. So, um, and then a lot of people also buy, buy, um, their memberships online. So again, we just have to meet them there. And they've already purchased their membership, you know? Um, so as far as like a consultation, we, we've we only been doing them with people that specifically ask for personal training. Like um, just, uh, just the basic, like what, what are your goals? What's your history of training? Like what dieting have you done before? Um, what's your six month goal or, what are your motivations? You know what I mean? Um, But other than people that are already interested in personal training, we don't do any kind of consultation for personal training. Mm -hmm. Do you Um, think
1: that like, as you guys continue to grow your staff and you have more help, because right now it sounds like you don't have a ton of help. Exactly. Do you think that you guys could benefit from doing something like that on the front end and using it as a way to get people who maybe didn't think that they were coming in to sign up for personal training, but could benefit from it sold into that program? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, I was just talking with uh, John, my partner, and I I think that's one of the things that's going to get us to the next level is um, maybe spend that time and that money and put in that extra work right in in the front end that way you can get that return in the in the back end you know like it 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 obviously costs money to have a person sit at the desk for um 6 8 10 12 hours and and then you have to pay them 15 18 dollars an hour to sit there and yeah that that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, money's through the whole week but how much more revenue is that going to bring you when there's a person there that a, that a potential client can interact with and then they can have a consultation with and then you even if you make one sale or two sales a week as long as you have the right price point and your offers offering the right amount of, of value then that can pay your employees check for for that whole week. And then you still have money left over to put into the business or the gym, you know?
1: Yeah, Um, no, definitely. Like any opportunity that we can take as business owners to sell high ticket, we, mm -hmm. we should, because people will pay, uh, especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to health and wellness, people will pay for it if they like know it's available. Like a lot of times, you know, gyms like this, we're not really advertising that we do, Personal training. Like it's just kind of on an as need, as asked basis. So if it's on the front end, like, hey, here you go. We have this. Um, it's a higher ticket, but we're gonna help you reach your goals. People are gonna, people are gonna take it. Uh, Um wanna ask you kind of a question here, you know, in terms of members, how many clients do you have at each facility?
2: So members, we have uh about 320 at our Albion location. Um, when we took it over, there was prop when we took it over a year ago, there was probably 150 members. Um, wow. And we have, um, I, I just did member count like two weeks ago, and we were at 320. Um, wow. So that that's pretty good over there. Um, and over there, there, there's almost zero people uh, personal training revenue over there zero okay. it, it's all it's all like membership uh income over there okay. um and then over at the medina location we have 89 no we have 92 members over okay. there. so we're just about 100 oh we opened in june um okay. So that's not too bad for, I've been open for a couple months, only having word of mouth, you know, um, so that's, we're, we're hoping to grow that to like, by January, we'd love to be at like 150.
1: I think that that's definitely doable or even beyond that with this style of gym, right? Um, so people can benefit from that, um, So talk to me about that growth process. Obviously, you'd like to to take on more clients or more members. What are you guys actively doing to find new clients? And what do you plan on doing to kind of enhance that?
2: So um, one thing that we want to start to focus on is obviously like some marketing and to get leads, Um, try to convert those leads into members and clients. Um and how to go up how to go like about that is um something that we are actively trying to navigate, you know, um between posting on social media, um creating content, that kind of stuff. Um, But we don't necessarily have any specific framework to follow. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of just going to start to put our name and ourselves out there more and then kind of just hope that people trickle in. Um, and we we need a way to collect. So we have emails, right? We have a lot of people's emails, but the people's right. emails that we have are already members at our gym. Right. So it doesn't do us any good to email our new offers to our current members because they're the members and we already are getting their money mm-hmm. so we need a way to collect emails so that we can uh, utilize systems like MailChimp or something like that and then do like large email blasts you know what I mean um, and then just t- try to get your offer out there in front of people's eyes so they can see oh there's there's a gym here and they do this and they have this offer I'm going to go check them out
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, No. I mean, the, the email campaigns, they definitely can help if we can get people's emails. Um. But in 2022, the number one way for us to really grow in our business in this industry specifically, probably beyond as well, is through social media, utilizing mm-hmm. Facebook, utilizing Instagram. Um. And you mentioned something that, like you don't have a specific framework that you're going to follow. You're just going to kind of see what works do you think you would benefit from like having a framework that you followed or like, I don't know if you would deem yourself a social media expert. I feel like I am definitely not. <laughs> so, um, talk to me a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think everybody would, right. Like, um, everybody does better with a blueprint. I mean, right trying to ask a contractor to build a house without a blueprint. You know what I mean? He's not just gonna, he's not gonna build a house just from the seat of his pants, you know, there's always a blueprint or ask an engineer to make a bridge without a blueprint, you know? So I'd, everyone would do uh, better with a framework, with a blueprint of like how to do this, like do this do, and then do this process and get X result. You know what I mean? Um, and um, so having something like that would be, obviously um ideal um and and if you don't have that then you hire a person to do that but can a gym owner always afford to hire like a person to do all that stuff for them not not usually you know because usually I I mean I I think the average gym owner's income like yearly is like from like 40 to 60,000, you know what I mean? And, um, nowadays, I mean, that's, that's not really that much money, you know what I mean? Um, especially if that's all you're doing, it's just, you just have, um, the revenue from your, your average gym. Um, so I think largely people know the benefits they can get from having something like that, like a plan, Mm -mm. but they're in the mindset of, ah, well, like I could never afford that. So I'm just going to do what I can do. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Um, But yeah. I I think when it comes to finding help, it is something that like as gym owners, it's hard to come to that decision that like, Hey, we should probably outsource this because of the financial side of things. always, Always. But ideally, like if we're hiring anybody for anything, it should be good enough that we get our return on that investment back. Absolutely. Um, so if we have somebody doing social media and running ads for us and et cetera, as long as we're earning our money back, like mm-hmm. definitely something that we could do, but where a lot of people make a mistake is they just go, they hire like any marketing company that they find. Like maybe there's a marketing company in your town. Maybe there's some, one of your members sister has <laughs> a marketing company And we have to be really careful with that because marketing and and social media in this industry specifically, our approach has to be a little bit different because people aren't motivated inside to just see a picture of a gym and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to go there. I'm going to go work out. I'm going to become a member. We have to really be smart and think about what we can do to pull them in, what's going to grab their attention, hook them, and drag them into the gym Um, because like the the hardest part is just showing up. Um, So... Kind of to move on from this part of the discussion, I want to ask you, Nick, what do you think is your biggest business-related bottleneck challenge, and what are you going to do to overcome that?
2: Um, so probably, like, like we said, it's, it's the, um, it's probably the, like, recognition and, like, the getting people to know that you're there to use your gym, you know what I mean? Um I, I don't think we would have any issue getting members or uh, re- re- reaching uh, like m- m- membership number goals or anything like that um, if people knew what we had and they knew what our atmosphere was, they knew our equipment, they knew what we were all about. If people knew that, it, it would be a no brainer, you know, um, but it's really the biggest Uh, hindrance is really just getting into the, into the light and getting people to know you're there and getting people to buy in. You know, I I think that the buy-in is huge. Um, so to get people to see the value of what you have, as opposed to like what this gym has or this gym has it's because I think what a lot of people see as an outsider in looking at gyms if they're if they're not like gym enthusiasts like you and I probably are they're just looking at the gym they say all right there's a treadmill that's cool um there's a bench that's cool there's a squat that's cool like what what's the cheapest and that's where I'm going Mm -hmm. you know um so it's to answer your question it's probably just straight up marketing and getting getting the buy-in from people
1: yeah I mean I I definitely think that like out of like 85 percent of people I talk to it's like that's the same thing right now Mm -hmm. um it's just like getting out there in the the community and like getting in front of faces and getting that buy-in right like we know that we know that the value is there but we have to show others that like the value is there and get them to like Mm -hmm. buy-in so you know if you could have a magic wand and all your dreams all your goals everything came true what would that picture look like for you uh
2: the, the gyms would be full Um, we would see, uh, people walking around Walmart and everywhere else, uh, uh, wearing our shirts, our, our, our hoodies, our merch. Um, and, uh, we would be expanding, um, just a little bit at a time, maybe having, Three locations, then go to four then go to five, get the right people in the right places um, to be able to manage gyms maybe at, at, at one point or another. Um, as long as we had the right plan, maybe do like a franchise thing, you know, um, because I think that we could easily compete with gyms like um, Anytime and Snap because we, we pretty much have the same model as them. Um, open 24 seven good quality equipment Mm. um, allow a person a space to go work out um, at at their convenience you know what I mean I, I think our only difference is that we we invest a little bit more into the atmosphere and the branding so people want to like rep like rep that gym's merch or be a part of it or whatever you know what I mean um I mean I I don't really see too many like influencers that are shouting out like anytime fitness like hitting chest I'm getting a good pump you know what I mean like nobody really does that so um it's I mean the franchise thing would be cool uh it's it's a lofty goal and it's it's in the future but Um, I think where our efforts are now are just on these two gyms and really get them rocking and rolling. And uh, hopefully that magic wand is a reality in the next couple of years, you know?
1: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that there's so much potential to grow what you currently have, like in terms of adding more members, but also like growing within and like Mm -hmm. um, really like increasing the amount that your members are spending with you by like adding adding more personal training and things like that. Um, get those like really really flowing and growing and then it will be like so realistic to have a third and then maybe you become a franchise what piece of advice would you give somebody who is like just stepping into gym ownership
2: uh the first piece of advice would be don't open a gym just because you love to work out Um, because owning a gym you're going to work out less than you did not owning a gym and the workouts that you do get in, you're always going to have to do something. Either you're going to have to go like uh, sweep up some dust, or you need to go repair a bench, or you need to go up to the front desk and uh, get a new member, their access card, or there's going to be a person in there that doesn't know how to use a machine and you're gonna have to show them and you can't Turn any of that down because it's your responsibility. Everything in that gym is your responsibility. You know, right. so if right. you're just getting into the gym ownership business because like you love working out, it's not enough. You know, um, because eventually it's going to make you not like working out because it's just going to overwhelm you and you're no longer going to enjoy your time at the gym because when you're there, you're always working as opposed to like just working out as an outlet. You know what I mean? So really really dive deep and ask yourself like why you want to open a gym and if it's just because you like working out then don't open a gym because you'll you'll lose your love for working out
1: yeah um, no that's a really really good point and i think a lot of people like that's why that really is the reason why people start gyms is they want to have a place mm-hmm. to work out they like to work out so they're like oh, like let me just go open my own place like my buddies like their friends whatever will grow like people are just going to come
3: mm-hmm.
1: but it's not smart because this is a full blown business and there is mm-hmm. a lot that goes into it especially mm-hmm. if you want to become profitable um, uh, so thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate it. Um, before we kind of close out the episode, I want to give you a chance to shout out the social media for hustle house. Where can our listeners go to find you online?
2: Yeah. So, um, our Instagram is, um, it's just, it's just hustle house with no E it's H U S T L H O U S E hustle house. And then, um, our second location is hustle athletics, all one word. Uh, and hustles spelled the same h-u-s-t-l and then athletics um and um that actually is another thing we need to work on we need to get a little bit more active on our socials you know what i mean because it's it can get hard to do all the day-to-day and then also keep up on your socials too you know And, and and like you said before social network is just a huge part of of the world now you know so it's it's a must you just have to You have to be active, you have to be relevant and you have to show people what you got.
1: No, it definitely, it definitely is a challenge. So Mm. um, to kind of, you're wearing all the hats. Uh, And so um, I understand where you're coming from there. Uh, Thank you for being here today, Nick. Seriously, it was awesome learning about Hustle House and like what you guys do. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget, if you want to stay notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you want to join us for an episode here at the Jim Lords podcast, fill out the link in the description. We will be in touch with you soon. As always, until next time, Jim Lords out.
0: Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next
3: interview. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My name is Joseph, and joining me on the show is Michael from the Movement Warehouse in San Diego, California. Welcome to the show, Michael. How are you doing today? Thank you for
4: having me. Super excited.
3: Same here. I'm very excited.
4: And we're ready to rock
3: hundred percent. Yeah, I am very excited to have you on as well on this Halloween day here in 2022. But before we dive into the business side of what you have been going on at the Movement Warehouse, when you first opened your gym, what was the vision you had in mind for it and why?
4: Okay, so when I first opened the gym, um, I had just gotten off of uh, an internship from uh, Fitness Quest 10. Um, It's a a pretty well-known gym. uh, At the time, it was owned by Todd Durkin. Uh, I walked through the doors that first day, and I saw Darren Sproles, Drew Brees, uh, and some other NFL players training with just like regular CEOs, housewives, just regular, like, regular people. And in my mind, I was like, okay, well, this is, this is different. This is like, why are these elite athletes training with these everyday people? Yeah. And it kind of blew my mind. And I was just like, So athletes, people, they're all the same. Everyone moves the same. So it doesn't really matter. The power output is different, but the the mechanics are the same. So when I opened the movement warehouse, initially I wanted it to be an athlete training facility. All right. Athlete training facility, that was my main goal. And then I got hired um, by another gym owner in San Diego before I opened movement. And um, he was training NFL players and NBA players. And I kind of got this like, oh yeah, let's, let's do this. Like we can, we can train professional athletes. We can get, we can get our foot in that door. Cause we have all these connections. Like I was working out with uh, the running back Jalen uh, something, Jalen something for the Raiders at the time. And um, it was a great, it was like a great experience. But then I was talking to my boss at the time. And he was like, this isn't a, this isn't a viable business. You can't just train professional athletes. Cause first of all, they all have training facilities and mm-hmm. then they have their, their homes when they're not, like in season, they have their, their vacation homes and some of them aren't in San Diego. So how are you going to get these professional athletes to train with you the in the off season? I'm like, oh, interesting. Good question. Oh, that's not really a great, It's not really a great uh, business model. So um, it quickly changed. My motto was originally move stronger, move faster, move smarter, because I want to train athletes, right? And so mm-hmm. I thought that would draw athletes in. And then it quickly changed after a year or so to... Uh, Culture, community, fitness, because that's what I i kind of like changed my business model to. Okay. So, uh, the answer to your question is I wanted to train athletes. Now I train regular people and some athletes.
3: <laughs> okay. Okay. So, it all initially started with an internship. And then you're like, oh, wait, like I can, well, like athletes are just like regular people in terms of their body. Like we all move the same. It's just different, you know, force outputs and all of that. And then you move to a different gym and then you're well the guy was like hey you know like only training athletes that's not the best way to approach it so it's really good to hear that you know like you change your way of things you're like you know what i want to serve you know more people than just you know professional athletes so it's very good so currently right now at the movement warehouse how many people do you serve
4: um so we have a, a pretty big outdoor space, uh, about 3,000 square feet of fully outdoor San Diego sunshine. You know, 900, uh, 360 days a year. Um, and so after COVID, uh, we had a pretty big, pretty big spike in memberships because we were the only gym that was allowed to be open legally. Ooh, okay. We yeah, had the outdoor space, right? So we moved all of our equipment outdoors. Um, we got our numbers up to like 190 uh members wise we were pretty pretty busy with classes since all the gyms have opened up uh since then um we've slowly dropped off but we're, we're hovering around 150 from okay. there and before covid we were at like 95. Oh, so wow. okay but so we jumped up like double and then we've kept a, a you know a, a steady stream of decent amount
5: we've okay
4: here and there but so with that,
3: like 3,000 square feet of area outside, do you guys also have like space inside your gym
4: for yeah.
3: like members so of train? We,
6: we have a uh, 1100
4: square feet of a storefront on the, on the street facing side. Um, and I think that's like kind of what draws people in because the gym, the, the aesthetics of it is that it's all turf. So it mm-hmm. looks honestly, it looks like a dog, a dog grooming center or like a dog park. Um, but there's people working out in here, there's equipment. So we have 1,100 square feet inside, and we have cable machines. We do all of our personal training uh, inside, unless you're going outside to do sled pushes or something like that, um, or the battle ropes, whatnot, tire flips. Uh, but we, we, we do all of our training inside, and then the, the classes are all in the 3,000 square feet outside space.
3: Okay. So you mentioned personal training. With that being said, why don't you give the listeners your elevator pitch of what you have going on at the Movement Warehouse?
4: All right. So my elevator pitch for myself is like, it's basically the same pitch that I have for the gym. It's, yeah. um, it's what, the elevator pitch is like, how, how can you help people? Right. But who are yeah. you? And So all your services, all okay. your additional stuff. So my personal, my personal specialty is golf performance through okay. fitness and uh, and golf swing coaching. So um, I make, I make golfers, I make golfers stronger and I make that help them shoot lower. That's my personal, my personal one for the gym. If someone walks in off the street, I'm like, what are you looking for? If you're looking to lose weight, we can help you. If you're looking for cardio, we can help you. We can build muscle, get the body you want through weightlifting. Okay. And and really more than anything, uh, our biggest pitch. And whenever someone walks by and they're like, oh, that's just another CrossFit. it, It just like hurts my heart because that is the opposite of, of who we are and what we do here. Um, weightlifting doesn't have to be CrossFit. And I think that that is something that we are trying to, in our small beach community, we are trying to educate people on. Okay. So when I do, when I do the elevator pitch for, uh, for people that are un unknowing of what weightlifting is, I that is part of it. like it's it's, it's this so this is a crossfit like well we do weightlifting but you wouldn't go to the gym yourself and do cleans and i mean some people might you know but like you're not gonna you're not gonna be like okay well i'm gonna learn how to weightlift. and so like i have to do this whole complex movement where i pull the weight and it's like over my head and um that we don't do any of that here we don't do any olympic lifts here um it's just too too high risk to reward personally
3: Okay, so it's a good mixture of services there. Uh, so that actually brings me to my first question in terms of marketing. So, how do you normally get
4: people into your doors? Uh, we do a lot of well, it's all mostly word of mouth. Yeah. Since, it's, it's word of mouth, um, that's uh, the best. That's the best marketing that you could have, right? Someone else yes. saying that you are good, right? Mm-hmm. Second best marketing that you could have is reviews. And that is still someone else saying that you are good. Uh, That's finding you through a different route, maybe not personally, but, you know, through uh, the internet or social media or whatnot. Um, So we get uh, one of the, the, all of the trainers KPIs every month is to get a client to leave a review. And we don't ask for a five-star review. We just ask for honest feedback right we ask for honest feedback and then we send them a link and say please uh leave us a review you know you've been here for a couple months i know you're enjoying your time can you just leave us an honest honest uh, feedback for from your time here and it just turns out that everyone has left us five-star reviews and so we have i think over 100 five-star reviews on google um and people find us through that like whenever we ask someone that walks in how'd you find us a lot of people are well, you had you had five star reviews on on Google, and no one, no gym has five star reviews. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, some gyms have like pretty good reviews, like four and a half, but we are a solid five. The one one star review that we got, that was my fault, and you know, I, I just I swallowed that pill, and I was just like, mm-hmm. okay. So we have uh, ninety nine five star reviews and one one star review, and I guess people overlooked that one star review.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you mainly, you know, utilize word of mouth in getting your clients to, you know, leave reviews, which is really good. Have you guys used any other, you know, channels of marketing to get people into your doors, like through yeah. social media? Or? We do
4: Instagram um, and Facebook marketing. Okay. Uh, one of my social, my social media company, uh, it's called Social Elixir. They're based out of uh, San Diego. Uh, they used to be members and then they moved like decently far away. So I can't really fault them for that. Um, But they've been running our social media for a few years now and I'm super happy with them. Um, But they run all all of our ads too. and we. Okay. So you guys use
3: like Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising?
4: Yeah, but that's, that's it. We don't really do Google advertising. You know, we, we have certain promotions that we like, we dabble in, Mm -hmm. you know, we did three, uh, three, $20 for a three day pass. A normal drop in is thirty bucks. So, yep. like, if you can come to one day, it's worth it already. Yep. Um, and right now we're doing a ten for ten, so a ten day pass for ten bucks.
3: Okay.
4: Uh, it is winter in San Diego. You know, hard to believe. Okay. It does get cold and it does get a little like dewy and wet outside. Mm-hmm. So people don't like to work out. The sun's coming up later. I mean, like at five forty-five, the sun's never up. So, and now it's not up. And it's wet on the ground. Like you really work out outside. So, like like most people know, but like a a lot of our people are, you know, they they understand because we've we we educate them right. And like summer bodies are built in the winter, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is when it's this is when it starts. You don't get to start working out in spring and then you're there by summer, right? So an education thing that we do is, hey, it's like you know you can't stop working out now that it's the holidays. Hundred percent, yeah.
3: Okay, so let's just say you have a person come to your door that interacted with an Instagram ad or a Facebook ad. What does the process look like to turn them into a member?
4: So generally, if they come through Instagram, like a DM, or uh, they get sent to our website and fill out a form, uh, my manager will will email them, will text them. Hopefully, they left their number. That's, we see the best uh, results from text message, uh, text message marketing, Um, just to get them in, see if they have questions, and then we get them in for whatever our promotion is. Mm -hmm. Um, We make sure they don't have any injuries, make sure nothing, nothing like that's going on. So they know that we care, right? They know that we we're there to make sure that they don't get hurt, not just to like take their money. Yeah. And then, uh, and then when they come in for their first time, we always greet them within the first five seconds, you know, you know when someone's not yeah. comfortable, you know, walking in, they're like, hey, you just around.
3: tell by their face. Yeah. And you know, coming into a gym, they're like, what's going on? Yeah.
4: Where am I going? What am I doing? Where do I put my stuff? You know, and so we go over there and we greet them, we're like, hey, you know, like is this is your first day here. Um I walk them to the gym and then we walk them personally like through the workout like what's going to go what's going to happen where the rotations are going to look like so then they get a little more comfortable with the whole process of just being in the gym mm-hmm. and then because we do group workouts we make sure that we put any new people with someone who is one knowledgeable about fitness right uh two we make sure that they put them with someone that is fun and so they're not just like working out and like not talking to this new person yeah. right because we want them to be able to talk to them, we want them to be able to help them. And when we when then we make sure that we touch well every client at least at least twice with their first name, um, every class. And with a new client, we touch them at least once at every station, so they know that they're getting personalized attention every every station.
3: Okay, so it sounds like you guys have a whole process there already laid out to you know really nurture the prospect and like turn them into a member. That's really good to hear. You know, not many gyms do that, so it's really good. So let's just say, you know, you go through that whole process with them, show them everything, and then they're like, you know what? I want to buy a program or I want to join this gym. What does the process look like to keep them for
4: the long term? So generally, our, our process is we text them at least twice in the first month to make okay. sure that they're they're coming to their workouts, and we use MindBody as a as a CRM, okay. so we can track how many workouts they're actually coming to. If it's been like three or four days since they haven't been to a workout, you know, it, all these, there's a lot of metrics, and we don't even use it to its fullest capacity. But uh, it, it is nice that we, we we can do that. We're like, hey, we haven't seen this person in two or three days. All of our trainers are in a group group text message, so we're like, you know, if anyone's not showing up, we're like, hey, where is this person? You know, like yep. where is it supposed to be? and then my my manager or myself can reach out to that person, and getting them twice a month at least for the first month, and then if they stay for two months, generally they're in it for a, a while mm-hmm. until they until they move or move away. So a lot of people moved away in in COVID, like they moved to wherever like back home to take care of their parents or because they're all working remote so we lost that's another reason we lost a lot of, of clients but if you if they're here for two months they're here for a while if they're here for three months it's it's basically like a lock and then they're and then they're buying three six or 12 month memberships okay like, well i can save money take yeah more. like why not buy that program yeah right exactly yeah.
3: So you guys have a whole process laid out for that as well. So, you know, two accountability touches in the first month. And then by the third month, you're really just staying consistent with them being like, Hey, let's come in, let's work out. So I'm actually curious about those programs that you're mentioning. Can you like walk me through what like each program looks like that you'd offer to a member?
4: Okay. So our, our classes, so 90, 90, maybe 92% of our, members are uh are the people that come here are class class members or class uh yeah members i guess and then eight percent might be personal training here and there who take the classes most of the personal training clients do a mix of both personal training and the classes so like one one day a week i'll just i'll work with a guy that has a shoulder issue and he's had a shoulder issue for eight years because he's a researcher at ucsd and he's uh, over a computer or over punching over Over. Yeah. yeah That's what he does. So, um, yes, the workouts are going to be great. But if you want a little more personal attention, then I can give you. That's like an an add-on sale that that I'm pretty good at giving. And I, okay, so I'll give you a breakdown of the program. I'll come back to the, the training thing. Um, so the program it's a it's a hour long program, uh, five days, six days a week, six yeah. days a week, right? So we split up. Um, our program like you would if you were going to a big box gym right it's like i think the days of you know i think chest day shoulder day leg day you know arm day, i think that i think those days are over i think they are gone yeah too much
3: science nowadays yeah
4: yeah too much science and and not not enough time
3: mm-hmm.
4: like no one has has time to do that anymore like to spend too two busy chest and the two hours on legs and the two hours on arm like okay so what we do is Upper body, push pull on Monday, glutes and hamstrings on Tuesday, mm-hmm. shoulders, arms, and abs on Wednesday, Thursday's back up to upper body, push pull, Friday is uh, quads and glutes focused, and then Saturday's a full body MetCon.
3: Okay. Right? So does each member, like no matter who they are, like no matter what age or like, you know, yeah. gender they are, they just go right through that program? Yeah. Okay, um, awesome.
4: And we've seen the most results with that. Uh, we've we've had that split for, I don't know, longer than I'd like, but it works. Okay. Uh, and if it stops working, we'll stop doing it. Or if more science comes out that says like there's a more efficient way to work out, we'll do that. But we yeah. did do the upper body chest focus Monday, lower body glute focus Tuesday, and then people couldn't come on Mondays because they have a meeting every Monday afternoon. And so then they would miss their chest day. And so for three months they didn't get to go to a chest day unless they came to a Saturday. And that was like maybe one station of bench press. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so for people's schedule, we have to accommodate for that too. Right. Like they're not professional athletes. this is not their full-time job. They don't make money with their body. Right. So they come when they can And if they can only come certain days, then we have to accommodate that. And we say, Hey, you can't, you have to change your schedule to make to fit your gym schedule. That's not how, that's not how today's world works. So we adjusted the schedule to be like, Hey, push, pull Monday, push, pull Thursday. You can, hopefully you can make to one of those days because you'll get chest, you'll get back, you'll get arms, you'll get, you know, you'll get the whole upper body one of those days. And still a lot of females, uh, are, Scared of getting bulky, so they don't yeah. want to come to two upper body days, right? But mm-hmm. if you come to a Monday or a Thursday, then you get your one upper body day. If you come to a Tuesday or a Friday, you get two lower body days, and everybody wants to hit legs twice. Yeah,
3: everybody right?
4: <laughs> do that. And even our guys, our guys come to all like two leg days a week. Sometimes some of them come to three. Um, we have a specialty class, small group training on Sundays mm-hmm. uh, that is all all booty focused, the booty class. okay the booty class and she used to train under uh brett Contreras and at the glute lab which is right down the street from us okay when that opened i was terrified yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but that's that's uh that's come and gone and um and so she learned from him and so like she's like oh i should do a booty class now that the glute lab isn't is not a gym anymore, right? Like I mean, why not? not yeah. taking clients anymore. So let's uh, let's do that. And, and now we, you know, some people hit legs three times a week. Okay. And I just rent the space out to her um, on Sundays.
3: Okay. So it sounds like you guys have, you know, quite a customizable approach to each client. And you mentioned um, the trainer there. How many trainers do
4: you have at, you know, the movie? So we have, Five, uh, six with me. We
6: okay. have six
4: with me. We all do classes, and then we all do personal training. Okay, cool. Um, at certain times.
3: Yeah. Okay, cool. So that actually brings me to my uh, second to last question here, Michael. So you know, in the fitness and gym world, there are three pillars of business, and we just you know mentioned them three. So the first one being lead generation and acquisition. Second being retention. So you know, like keeping them for the long term. The third being Ascension. So having your clients spend more money with you. Out of yeah. those three, where do you think you can improve the
4: most on and why? Out of those three, I think we could do a better job with um, lead generation. Okay. Uh, we could We could do more reach outs. We could do better follow-ups. We could do you know, follow-ups to people that we haven't heard from in a while. Like we could do win-backs and stuff like that. So like getting them back after they've left. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we could do on that side. I think we do a pretty good job once they get in here and they experience it. I think they, they, they're like, wow, this is a different workout. Like yeah. I've, what, it's not cardio based, like an orange theory or an F45. It's not CrossFit. So the, you know, there's, there's two things that it's not. Um, and, and, and what it is is something different. And so, because this is a business podcast, um, I can I can say this wholeheartedly: we do not have the most efficient business model. Okay, we do not. Um, we have a lot of barbell work. It takes up a lot of room, right? it's just it's it, it. We need we don't need all the space that we have, but we need a lot of space to do what we do, and. Um, I know that there's a lot of business books that say, hey, minimize the space. Don't do jump rope because jump rope takes up five feet of space, right? Like, yeah. you know, don't do that. Just do crunches or do butter, mm-hmm. or, you know, do bicycle abs or whatever it is. Um, because it you you can you know fit on a yoga mat, right? Yeah, and so,
3: yeah like condense it all together. Yeah. yeah.
4: And so so that being said, um, we max our our classes at 18 people okay, per hour, right? So a lot of gyms, I know the F45 crams in (laughs) 40,000 square feet, you know, and they're just like, like, I don't, I've never taken a class. So I can't, I can't speak from experience, but uh, all three of my trainers have worked at F45s and now work here because they get to write their own workouts. They get, you know, they get to, they get to coach. It's it's not just cheerleading and rah, rah, rahing. It's, hey, like you're- They can is- actually do their job. Yeah. Exactly. We all got into this to help people, not to make money, not just to like yell at people and, and get them excited. We like, okay, we we studied the body so that we could figure out how to get someone the best, you know, out of pain, get them stronger, get them looking better, get them more self-confident, yeah. get the, you know, all of these different things. And um, I'm on a tangent now, but, um, but I, I do think that there is something about- using your brain and the, and the certification that you have to write your own workouts. Cause a different trainer writes every workout. every, yeah, every okay. workout. So, I mean, they send, they, we all share it and we all give critiques on it, but you get to write your own lower body workout, upper body workout, shoulder workout, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, how can I push these people to give them a good experience? And I think that's what we all got into it for. Right.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, we all started in the fitness space, but eventually we're like, you know what? I really want to start a business here, you know, cause we can help people and get paid to do it. So why not? Right. Yeah. So it sounds like at your gym, like you're very, what's the word, very um, open to letting your trainers like build out their own programs, really just to customize it to like the groups and let each tra- like trainer have fun with it, which is actually really good. Uh, not a lot of gyms do that. So good job, Michael. Um, <laughs> Uh, last question for you here, Michael, you know, can you just paint a picture for me and also the listeners of what your short-term and
4: long-term goals are for the Movement Warehouse? So I am currently, um, I'm going to have a baby in February. First one. So i uh, excited about that. Thank you very much. Um, that is, that is terrifying and exciting for me. Uh-huh. So and I'm also in the process of looking for a house for my, my family, uh, San Diego, the market's pretty crazy. So.
3: Million dollars for like 500 square feet.
4: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so we're, we're, we're looking, um, that has put a small damper. We were looking for a a second gym, uh, in a a different part of, in different part of town up until when I found out she was pregnant. Um, and, that has like kind of kind of changed things around and kind of slowed things down. Um, so to be honest, I my long term goal is to open four of these uh, mm-hmm. four, four movement warehouses. But we're talking ten year plan, right? We're talking we're talking ten years down the road. Yeah. Um, I want to get through this first uh, life change, uh, make sure that we can handle that well, and then and then we'll go from there. Um, but since we were already looking for a second one once i'm ready which was six months ago now is probably six months from now up in the air yeah yeah a little up in the air but um but but definitely like it's the future right i want to open more of these i want to help different communities and the fun thing about what 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 we do here is we are a, a group of 24 to 35 me being the 35 or 36 now me being the 36 year old um young athletic fun vibrant bubbly trainers in pacific beach san diego which is a very young college-based town right like Mm -hmm. what we this is what we do and um i want to go out to different areas like are the Hillcrest area, the North Park area, where like the, the, the demographics are different.
6: Mm-hmm. The people
4: are a little older. The people are uh, maybe, they, they just have different mindsets. And I want to see, like, I also want to go to Scottsdale. I, I have some friends in Scottsdale, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that we could do a very good job out there, but I want to, I want to see if this business model will work if I hire different kind of trainers at different places, um, because I think that this is something that most people haven't experienced. And, and even today, most people come here, they're like, wow, like that was a great workout. That was super fun. I usually don't have fun when I go to the gym. It's a chore. Yeah. And and I think that we can help different, different demographics, different age races, different a socioeconomic group, you know, like we can do that at different places. Um, so that's like what I'm looking at long-term. Yeah, If you, if you want to think about it like that, mm-hmm. uh, shorter long-term is like I mentioned, my specialty is in golf, uh, golf fitness, right? Yep. It's a golf fitness specialist. Um, and I got it through Titleist and I want to open up uh, a movement golf performance studio where I'm right. Currently, I'm I'm shadowing a golf professional, and he's teaching me how he looks at lessons, how he looks at swings, and makes people better and adjusts them without changing their full swing. Uh, I'm not sure how into golf you are, but um, I played it once. It's hot. It's hot. <laughs> It's it's hot and it's, Mm -hmm. it's nine, 12 months a year, right? You can golf 12 months a year in San Diego. There's no golf season. So we have a lot of golfers. And if I can find a studio that is, has a golf simulator, or I I would obviously buy a golf simulator and Mm I'd only need about a thousand square feet for this, a golf simulator, a squat rack, dumbbell machine and a cable or uh, dumbbells and a cable machine I could do the golf fitness side of things I could mm-hmm. do the golf swing side of things with the simulator and then I could make it a one-stop shop for for golf performance for becoming okay. a better golfer and the good thing about golfers is that they have a disposable income because no yeah. one if you' nobody
3: golfs just to <laughs> golf
4: you know That's it's not the cheapest thing you're not golfing yeah. Right, like that's not what you do with your money. Um, I was there, so that's not what I did with my money. I, I, I know that for a fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is my short, long-term goal is yeah. to open up a, a golf, a movement, golf performance studio. Um, I have a lot of friends that would be willing to go on, in on that with me, and they're mm-hmm. members here. So they're like, I, I need to invest in a business, and that's for tax purposes, whatever. Yeah. And so i like, hey, I have a, I have a business idea. I think would be good. Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. So that's well,
3: awesome. That sounds very interesting and I'm pretty excited to see, you know, how that would pan out in the future. Yeah. And I think that's actually a good place to start to wrap things up here in this episode, Michael, but before we sign off, where can the listeners find you on Instagram, Facebook, all the socials?
4: Yeah. Instagram is, uh, at MVMT warehouse, W R E H O U S E. Um, and then our website is MVMT Uh, Facebook, The Movement Warehouse. Awesome, cool. Well,
3: Michael, we appreciate you for hopping on the podcast today and sharing your story. And to everyone who tuned in today, we appreciate you as well. And don't forget, if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. And if you're interested in joining us to talk about your gym, click the link in the description, fill it out, and our team will be in touch with you very, very soon. And as always,
0: until next time, Jim Lords, out. Now stick around for the rest of this episode.
1: Use coupon code Lords on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders.
5: What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. I will be your host today. My name is Joe Fitzgerald. Joining us is Mr. Jared Tillinghast of legendary boxing coming to you from North Providence, Rhode Island. Jared, what's going on, sir? How are we today?
6: So oh, I'm good. Thank you for having me.
5: I'm excited to have you here. I always enjoy picking the brain of boxing-specific type gyms because there's a lot of layers to this. For the people who aren't familiar with, with you, Jared, or with the brand Legendary Boxing, give us a quick description. When you tell people what Legendary Boxing is, how do you describe this business?
6: Um, I... The truth, I honestly describe my my gym as a place that you get love. Because over here, it's like a family. You, you know, everybody, I have good hearts and good people. And, and, you know, everybody's intention is to help the next person here. So a lot of times people are a little intimidated to come in a boxing gym in the beginning. Yeah, for sure. You know, they hear boxing and no matter who you talk to, the first thing people think is, getting punched in the nose everybody talks about boxing well i don't want to get hit in the nose and you know just because you're boxing doesn't mean you ever have to take a punch
5: you know i think that's really the the hurdle for a lot of people because it's it's an an absolutely great avenue for health and fitness and and mental Mm -hmm. awareness and all of these things but i think just the the fear keeps people away a lot more often than not is that right
6: well, you know about fear. Look what they just did to us in the pandemic. They scared the world. And how do you control people? Sure. Through fear. Through fear. So, yeah, fear of, of the unknown is, yep. is um, you know.
5: And so you guys lean into that and, and welcome people who don't necessarily have a boxing background. That's kind of where our, our bones are made. Take us yes. back uh, a little bit in time. To when and, and how this whole thing got started. What was going on for you? What inspired opening up a boxing gym? Did we have an idea of, of what it was going to look like today all of those years ago?
6: Um it was it was so random. This this place happened. Like I'm a boxer and I and I and I fought at a at a high level and, and I was good at what I did, but Boxing isn't even who I am; it's just a piece of what I did, or what I, or what I do. And I was driving down the street in North Providence. I had just gone through a tough divorce, and I was like, I was hitting, I was hitting it hard emotionally and and mentally. And I drove by this building on Smith Street, and the. You know, they had the newspaper for rent sign on the uh, door, and I was in a tough spot. But I wanted to fight. I needed to get in the gym to, so I I need I was looking for a spot that I just wanted to throw lipstick on a pig and get in the gym and put a ring in there and use it as like a a, a spot where me and my friends would go and and box. So I didn't want to do anything with a gym. I didn't. It, I, Didn't have no intention of it. I stopped and I got the number on the window and I called the landlord and I met him there the next night at the gym to look at it. And I walked in and there was already a fitness factory beforehand. So there was like one heavy bag still hanging up and there was a couple of things that were, were still around. But I left that night with the key to the building, and no money, no nothing, and I didn't I, I, humble I didn't,
5: beginnings.
6: Humble beginnings. I was rock bottom, but I had a key to a building, and I said, "All right, this is perfect." You know, we get a t- we get a place to kill each other, and I loved it. So, I came here, and then a friend of mine came here, and they said, you know word starts traveling and then somebody calls me up and they want to be my partner and now we partner up and now my friends came in and painted these walls and the walls and the ceiling and I was like whoa this looks really good so we just started we just kept going and going And then I started grabbing sponsors you know and some good friends that they were starting to give me sponsor money and we were putting their their portraits on the wall and paintings and So I got a bunch of sponsor money and we started building and and it started becoming more beautiful as my vision was in my head. I, you know, everything in this gym is specifically put there for me and we just kept running with it and it became so beautiful that I said, you know, I'm not going to box in here with with my friends, look at this place. So I, I said, let's open a gym to the public and here we are.
0: Yeah.
5: So somewhere along the way, a, a business is born, although it wasn't quite set in your mind that it was going to be that way at the onset. Mm. As this thing matured, Jared, tell me a little bit about the marketing that went into it. How were you able to to attract people to come in and train with you guys?
6: I think a lot of the marketing in Rhode Island, Rhode Island's so small that Everybody knows everybody. You can't, you know, and I was a boxer and then my family history. And so my name was already there in Rhode Island in that sense. And I was already known as a good boxer. And so I think all that stuff helped my marketing more so than what if I was in New York? because in the art, like if I was out there, it'd be a different market for me because I don't, nobody would know me out there. And it would have to be like from the bottom, I would stop. Sure. Over over here, because of my credentials over here, I already had the name and then people already been asking and they started taking, you know, I started getting a lot of business right away. You know, I was I was I was fortunate and the marketing was all through social media. Facebook, I Instagram. Um, I, I wasn't on TikTok back then, but you know, it was mostly Facebook. I did a lot of my marketing, and I I had like four pages, and I got like five thousand friends on each page. So I was just really marketing and letting people know that I was here.
5: Yeah, I think it's, it's a common that I hear that it's sort of the marketing difference between small town or, or bigger city. Of course, the tactics and strategy is going to change a little bit. We have to keep in mind the marketplace that we're in. But mm. devil's advocate here, Jared, and, and you tell me your thoughts on this. I've talked to gyms that have been around 10, 20, 30 years and they still have people walking through their doors. Oh my God, I never knew you were here. Do you guys find that that's the case for you?
6: Well, I gotta say the truth because see what you just said—it's so true. If you're a boxing gym, you're never on a, a main road on a storefront. It, you know, you're not gonna go down the main road where there's a lot of restaurants and see a boxing gym on that on that on that main road. The boxing gym's probably on that main road in the back parking lot, upstairs in a in a you know fourth floor with three windows. You know, so you don't you don't really know where the boxing gyms are. I'm right here. This is mine. Yeah. You know, so foot
5: traffic I'm sure plays a plays an instance here too. You mentioned yeah, well, social I'm media on. really really being the catalyst for all of this, and I think that makes sense in in 2022 especially. Most people before they join any gym, not even just a boxing gym, but before they join any gym they're going on the Facebook, they're going on the Instagram, they want to know everything there is to know before you get there. For you, has that been entirely on the free side of social media? Or have you put any kind of budget behind officially advertising? I
6: I would do, I would run ads and stuff. But, but like I said, I, I, I haven't posted anything in months. Like I, I haven't done anything in social media. I almost like in hibernation mode right now um i have other things that are happening right now but i really personally haven't been posting much and business is really good for me it's still i i still do well um, but i do have to get back into the swing of things i i would run ads and stuff on facebook but i've been like in hibernation mode and as far as posting yep. and staying busy with it
5: yeah, I don't think you're alone in that boat. I think gym owners in general open up gyms because they love training and coaching and not running Facebook ads. Nobody opens up a gym because they love being on a computer looking at data and metrics. I think that's, that's a far cry from reality, but unfortunately, it's a necessary evil in our kind of industry to to continue to bring new people in through the doors. Do you know what I
6: mean? It's true. It's true. I, I, I do it like this. I have a lot of clients and kids that aren't going to fight, but they want to work out. And so I happen to run into people that are already doing social media and this and that. So they, I'll give them lessons and they'll run my social media and my, and my, you know, my advertising and my marketing. So I'm doing that right now with a couple of friends, Cody and Vinny. They're really nice kids so I'm just gonna trade them lessons and they're gonna do my marketing for me. Sure. So that's kind of what I'm really good at yeah because I don't I don't know it all We so have I'll to play. get we have
5: to get creative in a small business like this I mean I, I don't know you I assume that that resources are fairly limited. We don't have tens of thousands of dollars to to outsource a marketing department to hire all of these different people. We need to get creative in, in small businesses like this but Jared, Take us to the next step, right? Just getting leads is, is only half of the battle. We need to turn those leads into, into paying clients at some point. When somebody reaches out to you, regardless of where they come from, what's that sales process typically like? Who who are they talking with? What is that conversation about? And what do they sign up for at the end?
6: Um, usually, usually Coach, Coach Tessa will handle the, the sign-up process and what they're looking for as far as... Um, Little legends, legend, legendary ladies, if they're looking for open gym, if they want personal lessons, she just kind of refers everybody to the right coach and the right area. Um, but that's, again, that's what I would do. I Instead of me handling all that stuff, I focus on training the kids and training the clients while Coach Tessa handles that. And then I'll have my guys doing the other social media stuff. And then I'll have my, my contractors in the basement building something else out. And I'm everybody, I I put everybody in place that we can run smoothly and efficiently.
5: Yeah. And it's a, it's a delegation. It's a whole team effort.
6: Yes, exactly. It sounds like
5: a lot of the, the sales process runs through one of your coaches when people are signing up, is this is this a monthly thing? Are they buying packages? What is the what is the actual product?
6: People, people can buy packages um, for personal one-on-one lessons. They can sign up for open open gym that just come in here and work out at certain times when the gym is open. Um, we have classes, we have, but the most important thing is most people, like I said earlier. Everybody thinks boxing is, they're going to get hit. I don't want to get punched, you know. So a lot of people say, I was going to come in, but I don't want my nose to break. And I think that's where, in that moment right there, where if gym owners can find a way to promote more that no pressure, no contact, would really be appealing to a lot of people, I think, because... It's yeah, I illegal. wonder if that's
5: that's in that marketing aspect how can we differentiate ourselves because like I said I mean there are boxing gyms out there where you go and you're going to get hit. I think people's fear is genuine.
6: Well, I think it, it you're only going to go and get hit if you want to go and get hit. You're not going to yeah. go to a boxing gym and somebody's going to hit you just because,
5: <laughs> you're right? You, you know, you're but gonna, I think that's gonna... I think boxing has that sort of brand identity and that's what we need to overcome
6: and that's why the we have to find a way to to say no pressure no contact like you don't have to get punched in your face to come learn how to fight
5: right 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 you know
6: and and that fear alone i I would guarantee five out of ten people it prevents them from coming through our door
5: yep and that's it's unfortunate it's unfortunate now beyond that Jared, I mean, we're we're signing people up, and the the real battle is keeping them, right? We want these people to stick around long term. For you guys, what's what's influencing retention the most? How are you able to hold on to your clients?
6: I think I think good service, always, always quality service that they feel that they're gaining something from. I see a lot of the gyms. I love kickboxing. Um, for instance, I'm not bashing it, I'm just saying that when you go in there, they give you boxing gloves and they tell you to do something on a bag and your technique and your form is off and, and you know, anybody can do that, to come into a boxing gym and learn technique and form and then put it all together. Now that's a whole nother animal, that's a whole nother beast and yeah. it's the quality, the quality of information they feel they're receiving if they if, if they leave going like this like wow that was a good session now i understand now i get it because if you have to understand why we do what we do or it's just kind of doing it going through the motion
5: sure and there's a there's a market for that other product that you mentioned but it's it's not quite apples to apples right boxer size and learning how to box Correct. It's a little bit Correct. different.
6: It's mental work.
5: Yeah, no, 100%. As you visualize this into the future, Jared, we've been doing this for a couple of years, and, and a couple of those were pandemic years, so we'll write those off. But what do you see as the the future of this? Where do you think this is going to be in a handful of years from now?
6: Mm, that's a good question. I I, I really in my life i've never been one that looks that far ahead i just kind of like where i want to be in a month what do i want to accomplish like i go like that so okay. i go short term what's what's next month look like <laughs> I, I i go i like oh I, my plan is i'm just going to keep keep rolling i have a lot of um so i do a lot of cases through dcyf okay there's family court family court judges that appoint their kids through DCYF, and DCYF and I have a good relationship, and because I've been taking a lot of their kids that are at risk, so they bring their kids over here, at risk kids, and this program that I'm doing with the, with the state to save kids emotionally, because these kids that are coming in here, that they're sending me, they're just emotionally broken. And that triggers all other things in their life and that triggers bad choices. So we've been really putting our foot forward with saving kids and and really making sure that I make a difference in, in these kids' lives that these programs are running. And now it's expanding and we're getting into the schools now. So I see my future in servicing this type of crowd. And this is like, I feel like this is going to start steamrolling. I have a couple of, we have a couple of family court judges that have been here, that have seen what we do, that really like our system. So I, I, you know, it's what I do. It's what I like to do is help people. So
5: that's the area. It's a theme that I hear a lot. And I think fitness is unique in its desire to give back. I see it far more than any other industry where we find these charitable ventures tied into to gyms and in whatever capacity that is. And I, I always think about getting into charity or, or whatever, things like this, how much we can help people is, is really tied to the resources that we have. And a lot of the time that's financial. It's unfortunate the gyms that make the most money have the most resources to be able to give back to this. And so it's almost a, a responsibility to be profitable so that you can help the next person in line.
6: Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Wait, I almost give stuff away to yep. a fault. Well, because I see I
5: see gyms all the time that, that aren't making that much money and they're trying to help the next person, but you gotta help yourself
6: before, <laughs> well, before that you comes. Know, I you know, I know I can keep the lights on for them and we keep going and and mm-hmm. I know as long as I'm serving and doing the right thing by people, things are gonna break and things will start happening. I'm I'm that part of it. I know that I would never say no to somebody that didn't have it or didn't have the means for it. I'm, that's not my, I, I don't know how to do that. So I, I take people, even if they, even if they don't have anything, I still don't say no. You know?
5: Yeah. It's a, it's always a good conversation and Jared, we're running a bit shy on time here, but I wish we had more time because I feel like we barely skimmed the surface of of yeah. what it is that you guys do at legendary, but before we get out of here, why don't you tell people where they can learn a little bit more about this? What's the best website? What's the best social media? Where can people go?
6: We have um, Legendary Boxing RI. That's you could get that. Um, there's a you could Google our website, and then we have um, our Facebook page, Legendary Boxing. We have an Instagram page. Um, we're not on LinkedIn yet, but the Facebook, Instagram. Yeah, now, and I'm also on, we got a TikTok page too. Yeah. Legendary connect Boxing.
5: With, right. Connect with Jared and the Legendary team on one or more of those platforms. Jared, this has been awesome, man. I really appreciate your your willingness to share some insight in, in yeah, what thanks. you do from a business standpoint on both sides, what's going well and, and where are we still looking to improve? So... I appreciate your time, my man. I'm excited to see what the future holds because it sounds like you're not done. It sounds like we still have some cards to play. So.
6: I'm just starting. For just
5: now, uh, we thank you for your time and I wish you nothing but the
6: best. Thank you, my friend. I'll talk to you, all right?
5: Absolutely. And to everyone who tuned in today, thank you as well. Don't forget, if you'd like to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us, talking about your business model, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon.